I got, I got, um, there was a, there was a comment left that someone was like, it was a really dark year without you guys. I'm so glad you're back. And that made me feel really good. There are people, <laughs> they are few, but they are back and they, they cared about our podcasting endeavors. They probably were not as fond of the six months that Reed and I were in charge. <laughs> Where we absolutely tanked the audience. <laughs> just, just went in. Went in with like a fucking once upon a time in Hollywood flamethrower. And we're just like, <laughs> oh, you, you um, thought you liked this show? I was proud. I, had, I was proud listening from afar on pirated Wi-Fi. I mean, I think at that, I mean... At that, that stage of our podcasting, we were so David-dependent. I mean, we still are, of course. But uh, we were especially irresponsible. And I think you really kept us afloat. And I'm sure the audience sort of felt your absence keenly. I mean, I, I felt it myself. It was it was all so wrong. Yeah, that was very much like you were both the lead guitarist and the singer. And like I was like <laughs> sitting there like working on my fucking bass rhythms. And Albert was playing the drums. And it was just like... <laughs> When we, we never even really bothered to learn how to sing or play guitar to replace you. We were just like, let's make songs with bass and drums. And it's yeah, not so drum the, and bass. It's experimental. It's uh, <laughs> ambient music yeah. so for, that you can listen to. For the people at home who maybe aren't following this, um, we did a podcast before this together and it was all going quite well. And then David took a six month sabbatical to travel from uh, Portugal to Japan using only trains and ferries. Is that correct, David? I got like halfway there. Yeah. There was like, there was war and plague that ended up standing in between yeah. you, right? <laughs> Did, yeah. But regardless, we, that left our podcasting endeavors a little short staffed. Um, and Reed and I managed to tank our viewership and get the podcast canceled you, pretty much. <laughs> you called in from Georgia, right? Yeah, I love yeah. that episode. That was sick. It was like 4 a.m. That was that was a good one. Did you ever make it into Turkmenistan? You didn't, right? No, they opened up in like March of this year. That's still the next, like... That's, that's the next trip I'm really working on convincing my girlfriend to go with me uh, uh, go with me on is to Central Asia, which is not a real hot spot tourist destination. I mean, you you do like your girlfriend. You're fond you're oh, fond of yeah. her. I don't know if I would Love I don't her. know if I would Great. try to convince her to go on that trip with you. I feel like that's a that's a solo journey. That's like a that's a vision quest. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see where it ends up in the the next year or so. Uh, it's not a, a a trendy destination, really. There's not a lot of resorts on the Caspian Sea. But um, <laughs> well, it, could there be? <laughs> we're not here to talk about trains, are we? <laughs> uh, uh, this is this is show and tell. This is never wrong. It's... We were not wrong then, and we're not wrong now. Yeah. Uh, if anything, we're less wrong and than we've ever been. I That's a tattoo that <laughs> I feel like at least one person has. <laughs> to bring this one all around, Albert and I were not wrong about the Picos boots. Oh. We, were right, we, were, we were right about the Picos boots. <laughs> yeah, For those David. thinking that David is, David is the, the lead only. 
Yeah, we had to talk David through his wardrobe for this trip, and he wanted to wear, like, Pico's cowboy boots suede as his main footwear option, and we had to persuade him to bring sneakers at all. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were right. You were 1,000% right, and I still have them, luckily. I had to pay, like, 80 euros to send a box of all my, like, hard goods home from Barcelona. Oh, right, because it was a heat wave and I had like a yeah, it was over 100 degrees for, like, the first month of this trip. And I was carrying around, like, an extra 10 pounds of, like, wool and denim and leather and just being like, I'm a fucking idiot. Just stomping around Barcelona in fucking five-inch baggies and Picos boots. Yeah, I did do that once. I got laughed at at a hostel, but, you know, that's the... That's the road you gotta hoe uh, that, when you're that's showbiz, baby. Riding the rails. So yes, uh, this is a show and tell episode. <laughs> Theme song by Soraya Perry. We've been meaning to shout her out. We keep forgetting. Um, thank you, Soraya, for that wonderful theme music. The that absolute best. Heard. Yeah. Um, so did you guys want me to start? It was my fault. I put in the link first. I have to go first, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the opposite of a nose goes on this show. So it's really, it's really funny. I, I was sitting here, uh, and I've been watching Jake Wolf's sponsored TikToks with Madewell. And to be clear, to state uh, this, to be clear, I I was salty because Madewell sent him like so much of the good fall stuff. I did a thing with Madewell, but only really their denim was out, and I really like. And if you've been online at all, you've almost certainly seen just, you know, people are shouting the praises of Madewell from the rooftop, rooftops, Madewell men specifically. And it's actually like, I think a real thing. The quality of their stuff is a lot better. The fits are a lot better. They're making stuff that's pretty interesting and cool. But I was just a little personally miffed because like, I want all that suiting and those those nice knits and all that. and then. Right as I was thinking that thought, my agent sent me an email from Madewell being like, hey, let us know what you want from the new fall winter collection. So I'm getting it, not, mm-hmm. not to worry. But I just wanted to like ask, I mean, I, David, are you up on this? I'm sure Reed has been privy to this, the Madewell assance that's happening. Um, David, are you aware of this? Have you been seeing any of this stuff? Um, I have seen it pushed into my feed mm-hmm. that I saw your lovely denim spot mm-hmm. for them. Thank you. And I've seen a couple others. And now looking at the uh, the site, it looks good. It does mm-hmm. look good. I'm digging these uh, Pumpkin Spice 2002s. <laughs> they have the Birkenstocks. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, the, the fits seem good. So this is a, something that's been in a wider realm of Madewell being pushing into men's because for a long time they were just women's with just like a couple men's pieces, right? Yeah. And Not even a couple. Not even a couple. It was like for years and years. Is this the first season? No, I mean they started a couple years back, but or maybe mm-hmm. like a year and a half back, but like for years and years it was just women's. And when they it, – it's – I mean I think, you know, David, what we learned from our time working together in the shop and like trying to get things to release on time, just how difficult it is to make everything <laughs> happen in order – and so Madewell Men's, I feel like they were doing this big push to like get, you know, open all these new retail stores and increase their presence, but they didn't yet have the product 
when they made that first push. And so there was like a, um, there was a, uh, uh, a store that opened on sunset in Silver Lake. And when I first went in, I was like, what is this stuff? You know, it's, there wasn't, it didn't really have any oomph to it at that point. And then, you know, under the leadership of Aaron Levine, largely, I believe, um, they were able to really up the ante. And I know there's other designers and I feel like it's always kind of opaque about who is actually behind these cool new pushes, unless maybe you are Reed or you live in New York or you're around them. Um, so it's some cool stuff. And they did like a really nice garment dyed work shirt and just some simple, great pieces that are pretty cool. And I'm excited to send my gifting email and request some stuff. Yeah, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Levine is kind of like the fixer, right? Like he came in and revamped Club Monaco and then he came in and revamped uh, Abercrombie. Abercrombie and then he went and helped out at ALD for a while and then now he's at Madewell I think and like some I don't even know like in what capacity um it's just sort of like he's like one of those I, I gotta give Madewell a lot of credit too because I went into that store like maybe like a year ago when it first opened in Williamsburg like when they opened that one um and it was like all like really really bad like highly tapered yeah like calf fucking jeans like just yep. like absolutely like assaulting the lower part of your leg uh -huh. and i don't even think they make them shit like i think they like excise them from the entire run and just were like fuck it we're blowing out the silhouette like we are not even gonna do a slow transition we're just gonna just radically transform the dna overnight and it's yeah. not like everything needs to be huge like they do one pair of oversized i think they call them the oversized chino instead of the giant fit or something like that yeah but um like, yeah, they the, just, I think, yeah, they, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the quality and fit of that Chino is quite good. I would say the Giant Fit is still a little bit more to my taste, but um, that oversized Chino is good. The only gripe I have with them is that for their denim category, and they're really big on the denim, they have two really good fits. There's the 1991, which is like a 90 straight leg, and then they have the 1991, I think it's called Oversized. And the oversized one is an awesome fit, but they're really, they've gone in on this like kind of heavy stretch denim that is supposed to mimic the feel of rigid denim, but it's still, but it's still stretch. And, and there's a lot of washes that are just, you know, it's, I think just give me a dark, like a dark wash or a one wash, hundred percent cotton version of that. And I would wear it like a lot because it's a really good cut. It's just, it's just a shame that um, they're still kind of being hampered by that. But their, their chinos, knits, shirting, all that stuff, I really enjoy. Um, and the denim fits are good. They just, I think, could just, up, they could just make it simpler, the fabrics and stuff. I bought a fucking suit, so. Um, you bought the suit? The gray one, yeah. I need a new suit, Ooh. Uh, like pretty bad. Um, and it came like I think it came in under. It was like it was well under five all in, so I did like some oh, yeah. sort of like discount combo. But like, um, yeah, I mean it's awesome. Hmm. Question here is Madewell is under the same umbrella as J Crew, mm -hmm. and it seems like a lot of the stuff here is very similar aesthetically. It's not exactly the same. Mm -hmm. It seems like Madewell's a bit more casual, less prep. Mm -hmm. um, despite also having suiting but 
it does seem like you know, any other store that I would compare this to that's in the mall, it is most like J. Crew. Mm-hmm. So this is sort of an interesting move for them because I guess Madewell was the same thing with J. Crew Women's that by doubling down on it, you're just making that aesthetic and that look stronger, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it a situation of, you know, uh, say Taco Bell opening up a new chain called like Burrito Ding Dong? Um <laughs> Like, I don't know what what is the move here. Is I guess it's working. No, so like, I mean, yeah, it's where it's it's made well. I used to, so I I mean, I guess there I don't. There's no disclosure. I was a fucking janitor at a J Crew. It's not like I like worked for a J Crew. Like I like I cleaned the store and folded it down. He's on the payroll. Don't trust him. Nobody else looked as clean as you. This was in like 2013 or 14. I used to work at the newspaper in the day and J Crew at night. It was it was a glamorous lifestyle. Um, but. Made well, like I knew just like we would always sort of like get like taunted by their numbers because they had like half the footprint and like double the revenue sometimes as us as like mm-hmm. a store. Um, mm-hmm. Like the women's side, I guess, not the men's. The men's was like J. Crew was at that time like kind of fine. Like Wallace and Barnes didn't sell for shit, but like the mainline stuff did. And there was like always like a deal on shirts. Um, but the women's line, like what was cool about Made Well Women's at the time was Made Well Women's was completely unencumbered by like J. Crew's sort of DNA or like canon or whatever the fuck you want to call that. We're going to make the best like dude style flannel shirt that actually fits women instead of one that's cut for men. And then we're going to make like chinos and corduroys and shit that fit women. And it was like, they had an actual perspective, which was just sort of like, it wasn't like super like the J crew women's at the time was doing like really like delicate knits and uh, like very feminine, like super feminine coded product. And Madewell just sort of came along and was like, here's super wearable shit. You'll be able to wear this flannel all winter long when you're sitting at home. And if you want to wear it out, go ahead. Like, it'll look fine at the office kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And I thought it, like, it definitely engendered them to, like, most girls that I knew at that point were wearing Madewell jeans or wearing, made, like, some Madewell, like, midweight coat in the summertime, like, young professional kind of deal. And, like, J. Crew men's, I think, while it's been so much better recently, I think one of the things that it still does have to do is it does have to play into the heritage of J. Crew. Like, even on, I like, I thought the Union, like, speaking of that, like, I thought the Union capsule was awesome that just came out. Like, I want that roll neck sweater so fucking bad. That's really good. The navy cool. blue one. It's really good. It's really, really good. The graphics are great. Um, those check pants are kind of cool. But, um,. That stuff like really does play with the like the heritage of J. Crew, and Madewell doesn't have sort of any tether to that, which is like which is yeah. interesting. So I think they can basically just are like, all right, so if these are like classic staples, what are we doing? Are we doing workwear this year? Which is like really what they've leaned into in the last like couple of years in regards to silhouette. But I think it just makes for a super wearable product that you don't have to think too much about. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I recently read The Kingdom of Prep, uh, the history of J. Crew. And uh, Madewell is a was an old workwear brand ages ages and ages ago, and they bought the licensing for that. And it was I think I believe that was Mickey Drexler's era still. Where yeah, he wanted, he wanted that 1937. He wanted it. <laughs> he wanted like they needed like a diffusion line, as Reed said, to do stuff that was a little out from under the umbrella of that really heavy duty prep. And even, you know, when I looked at the oversized Chino from Madewell next to the giant Chino from J crew, the giant Chino is so much more, um, 
has so many more heritage details, just like the way it's stitched and the, you know, just those very small things. And the oversized Chino is very similar in cut, but doesn't have the cuff, doesn't have a little turn up, doesn't have um, those, it, it looks more like maybe a workwear Chino or a techwear Chino. I mean, obviously it's not that kind of fabric. It just has, it's a more brutalist modern version of that thing. And I think would probably be more accessible to more people, but then is almost the same fit. So it's like it more really Dick, comes, it's like more Dickies than Dockers. Exactly. Mm. That's a very, very good way to put it, Reed. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's just cool because the, they're both, you know, they've both upped the ante so much and given people much better silhouettes in the mall. And like, I don't know, like, do you guys, I mean, Reed, when you listen to throwing fits and James is so down on J crew, do you, are you familiar with this sort of end of them? He's so down on it. And I've for a long time was kind of down on J crew as well, but reading this book, uh, kingdom of prep again by Maggie Bullock. Um, I just learned so much about, they're so integral to the way that retail works and the way that like, you know, to American style. And I think, um, I really recommend the book because it just lends a lot of insight into them and the importance of what they were doing and kind of just makes you more just uh, yeah that's all yeah I mean that's all I don't have like I think I'm like definitely like more like J Crew agnostic than like pro like I think I think I think a strong J Crew is good for like presentable dudes everywhere I guess like I think that like it makes things a lot easier when J Crew is doing good work for guys to dress easy like to to dress I mean I don't like I guess well as a spectrum or whatever but like I do think when like J Crew is firing all, on all cylinders like the fucking like the middle of the bell curve shifts over or whatever yeah um mm-hmm. in regards to like yeah like just like put together or like thoughtfully dressed or like again like um guys are and I mean I think like their women's stuff is like interesting. It's like I genuinely can't really comment on. It. Like I always thought Madewell just had a way stronger perspective and identity of who they were. Not always, but in the last like decade or so, I thought that's why it always hit. Like Madewell understood who it was and who their customer was. Where J Crew was just like sort of throwing mm-hmm. darts at a dartboard. But well, oh, go ahead. I feel like I feel like J Crew kind of waffled in the Jenna Lyons era, and you know they they were making important moves, but I feel like it was, they stepped further and further away from the DNA, from like the brand DNA, which is obviously how sometimes these things work. And then I think, yeah, they're, especially their women's is kind of in this like transitional moments. Like what were we trying to do here? And yeah, that's the interpretation potentially. Yeah, it was like teacher core. What's the production quality like? I mean, it's in comparison dude, to J. Crew. I wear I have J. Crew shirts that are ten years old still. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't. Yeah, but made well. What is oh, made, made well like? I mean, I, is it the same? I think it's the same, same factories. Same. I think it's like I mean, mm-hmm. it's, if if not the same factories, it's like they're they're similar. They tout the same stuff. Like the suit I got has like the same Italian um, Italian mill that does their Ludlow suiting. Um, yeah, prices look roughly equivalent also. Yeah, I don't, I mean, there's probably potential for a little bit of gouging like here or there, but I, I don't really know. I mean, I assume it, it all feels just as like the stuff that I've tried feels just as good as the J crew stuff. Um, it doesn't feel like, like you're sacrificing quality. 
they did this um jake crew or madewell did this uh garment dyed work shirt that i have two of and um they're just very they're very hardy and well made they're doing some like kind of workwear style stuff as well that's pretty good wearing and also i should disclose to the viewers i have worked for both these brands <laughs> i have accepted money from both of them you accused but me of that you fucking stooge. <laughs> i know <laughs> you fucking stooge in opposition to brands behaving goodly with with madewell we've got a brand potentially behaving badly and what i'm bringing to the table today which is uh young fashion founder claims louis vuitton ripped off her denim design this is article in sourcing journal which i feel like in our, a, a story like this comes out maybe every six months to a year of uh a big fashion brand rips off a small young designer with a cool design and it the the details are fairly unimpeachable and this one is is denim if uh our semi wheelhouse at least before that Caitlin Yates a menswear designer and founder of her own independent fashion brand Kate Yates spelled with eights beautiful uh, shared pictures comparing her designs with one of the looks from Louis Vuitton spring summer 24 menswear line outfits both using squares of varying shades to create a pixelated effect on a denim jacket and jeans so this is yeah a young fashion design student that interviewed at Louis Vuitton and a bunch of other places and had to share uh, samples of her work. And yeah, Louis Vuitton a couple of years later after seeing these things came out with something similar. And understandably pretty upset. If you look at the, the side-by-sides, it looks pretty clear, except the one that she did looks better because she like did it all out of little one inch by one inch squares of denim just to make one uh, a one-off, which, you know, I fear for anyone in a Louis Vuitton factory that has to do this. And she yeah. did it for charity for some um, local business that was raising money for kids that didn't have access to tech during COVID. Um, and yeah, understandably pissed. But uh, I also have it in me thinking, like, how much can you name and shame and copyright anything that's a design? that it becomes very, very murky mm. and sort of like doing the name that tune kind of stuff or like what was the lawsuit against Ed Sheeran for having the same like four note melody. I'm conflicted because like this is shitty and it looks pretty obvious that Louis Vuitton ripped it off, but I don't know of a way to make her whole without opening up an entire different can of worms. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is just something that happens every, I mean, it happens all the time, but every so often we end up trying to wrestle with it and it always seems like a kind of lose-lose situation. Um, but mm. I guess I hope that, you know, at the end of the day, she can rest easy a little bit knowing that hers fits so much better and looks so much better. <laughs> Yeah, then better on even Rihanna, uh, uh, hers does, than, than what Rihanna is wearing, the, the LV version. Mm -hmm. And also very uh, savvy of her to post something like this and probably get her name as a designer and her brand out a lot more than it has been before. Uh, and yeah, just like I know who Caitlin Yates is now and I wouldn't had uh, Louis Vuitton not ripped her off. Mm-hmm. 
Kate Yates is such a sick name with the eights. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so good. Um, <laughs> like C eight Y eight S. Yeah, this sucks. I mean, I think it's also like it does. It is an interesting thing where it's like Virgil came from Louis, and his whole ethos was like of an open source mindset, right? Like once things enter the ether. They are there to be iterated upon. I think there's like definitely a question of whether this was iterated upon at all or just ripped off entirely. You know, like clearly this wasn't Pharrell that like dreamt this shit up, right? Like that's like he made he might have approved a look like far down the road or whatever. But like, I do wonder in the age of like just like the, we can accept we can access any Im- image anytime we want. People share stuff around to the point where it's like the woman who made fun of that Fox news, like man on the street has been like, you know, it's like where you're like four degrees of sick. You could find her and get her on a podcast if you wanted to tomorrow, you know, like, it's just like people know about, it's just like, I guess I'm wondering how you think you're going to get away with plate, like ripping something off that clearly without someone like saying something like clearly you're going to get away with it monetarily because you're Louis Vuitton and like, fuck it. You're going to make a lot of money. Um, you could just pull that look from 24. If you like really think you're, need to but they're probably not even going to they might even just like credit her as a co-designer or something on the piece and make it right or but like I guess I just sort of wonder where it's like how do you think that that's gonna like with something like that how is that gonna work you know like I just like like her friends weren't like she went to Central St. Martin's it says right or no she went to Westminster but like it's like people are tracking the LV show you know like that this isn't hard yeah I guess I'm just sort of curious where it's like i don't know it seems like you stole her thing and even if you're not going to get like an act like trouble trouble like people are going to notice this Mm. you know you said about entering the ether is important because you know everybody has done a jordan one look but that's because you can rip off a jordan one and everyone knows it's a jordan one whereas this uh it has to have a certain level of notoriety before it knows that uh people know it's an homage and not an original creation Mm mm-hmm and this is very much the like Louis Vuitton saying we did this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I don't want to. I don't want to. Um, I think it seems like probably the simplest version of this is true, and it's probably that this is just her look that got ripped off. But I just you know, in all the time I spent writing fashion histories for Heddles, basically it felt like any innovation that ever happened in fashion, like I remember writing about like you know the waterproofed like Macintosh coats or, you know, rain jackets, like that was invented by like two different people at the same time, you know, in different places. And there just seems to be something about any kind of innovation in fashion where just like something kind of happens and then like three, two to three people often do something similar at the same time. I think it's pretty damning because it seems like this is, this was two years ago and, and I don't want to, discredit what she's saying because i think if she feels like that's her thing it's almost certainly her thing and she may you know she may have even more information that we're not privy to just like people around her or somebody she might be close to somebody who works at lv and they took notice so um i think her instinct is probably right but yeah it's just a shame we always see we always see this and then we always come and then we just like have nothing to say or do because it's like uh, yeah and and then reed also i think your point is interesting like you know 
uh, Pharrell didn't probably have anything really to do with this, but it's such a large organization. Yeah, how far down do you go? Where does the accountability start? Who takes responsibility for that choice? Because somebody somewhere was like, let's do this. I don't know. It's a weird one. Yeah. And is there any negative consequence that will come out of this or any consequence other than Kate Yates might uh, sell a bunch more stuff and maybe get a better job uh, designing for a company that would have otherwise ripped her off? So that is also the weird thing about these types of situations where it's like, like I used to always, when I was an actual reporter working at a newspaper, um, Mm. there was a guy named Josh Wolf who worked at the same newspaper. Technically, I saw him twice in a year. Um, at one of the places I was at, he had a desk and everything and like no one had their own desk. I mean, a couple people did, but he was one of them. And, uh, I don't know if he ever published anything while I was there, but he was like an employed reporter and he had like his notar his claim to fame was that he held the longest, uh, served prison sentence for refusing to give up sources. Um, wow. He was like. He was, How long is that? It was, his was a really long time. I wouldn't do what he did. But like he went like a hundred, more than a hundred days because Judith Miller went more than 90 for fucking Scooter Libby. But uh, Wolf went for like a really long time. He was at an anarchist rally. Shit got like a little heated, but he's like, no, fuck you. I'm not giving up, you know, who these people, like the names of these people on, the, on film are. Um, and people would always be like, man, you know, it is so brave when journalists won't give up their sources. And it's like, we always would joke around. We're being like, yo man, please put me in a situation in which I could like get in fake trouble, like fundamentally repealed. Like a hundred days is a long time, but like overnight or two nights was like one of those things where as a journalist, everyone knew it's like, well, you know, you're going to get a, a lot of sympathy and probably a lot of notoriety for something that was like a little bit of pain for a second. And I do think mm-hmm. that like with these cases that actually bubble to the top, like I'm not saying you want that never should happen. Not what I'm saying at all. I do think like one of the interesting upshots though is there definitely is an undeniable like swell of popularity that will mm-hmm. ensue from you getting wronged by a corporate behemoth. No one's ever going to bail on those corporate behemoths. Like it's not like that's going to be the upshot is people are going to be like, fuck Louis Vuitton. Like we're not going to buy the it's, – no, it's fucking – they're giant. But like mm-hmm. I do think it is like one of those things where – like I don't even know what to call it. But it's silly to pretend like that's not going to be helpful for her you know, or them mm-hmm. in some capacity, yeah. like more than if they hadn't ripped it off. Still shitty Louis Vuitton. They should have done what they shitty. did. But yeah, I think the, the outcome for her is undeniably positive. It, yeah. Here. It was it's sort of like the, it was a one on one her thing. Yeah. What's the, the, the book, um, the mouse who roared about like the tiny country that declares war on the U S uh, in order to receive like a shitload of aid after it's defeated. Yeah. But, uh, I've done, this is no way that she declared war on Louis Vuitton, but it is type of thing where uh, you know, we wouldn't have seen her designs or be talking about them if this hadn't happened, which is kind of fucked up in the way that this is working to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, it's like you almost need one of these people to fuck, like to fuck with your, like to fuck with your bag in order to actually get, to get one, you know, like yeah. it's like a very weird, but yeah. So it's like, it is objectively shitty and like, Louis, they, they should not have done that. Like that is like, I feel like we got to say that over and over because people will be like, why are you can, it's like, no, it's like, and it's not a strategy either. It's just like one of those. Yeah. It's a silver lining. Yeah. It's like one of those things that if you're good enough to mm-hmm. get ripped off by and like getting ripped off by LV is like way, I think way different than getting ripped off by Zara, right? Like where Zara's ripping everyone off. Like that's one of how many 50 looks 
that they did, you know, like I, maybe more, maybe less. I don't know. But like, you know, they did. It's it's a very small number that they're actually executing. And to say that, like, one of yours was good enough to get like, you know, ripped off and put in or like, you know, copied to a T and put into a Louis Vuitton show is a pretty nice, I think, endorsement also of of a skill level mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's not it's not too much consolation, but imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? You know. All right. Well, Reed, do you have anything special for us? Not nearly as uh, mm-hmm. earnest or relevant or timely. None of these. None of these things. But uh, I was on Twitter recently. Um, one of my. You mean the website formerly known as Twitter? Dude, I, yeah, I just, it's never going to fucking happen. That site's going to go fucking under before I rig out, figure out what it's called. Like, it literally says on this, on the hyperlink that I posted, it says twitter.com, which is just like, this is beyond a fucking mess. <laughs> but anyways, um, like, it's, I, I don't control it. I just, like, copied and pasted. So, uh, Fart, uh, like, one of our favorite, not ours, I say, like, but one a great account, Fart. Uh, it's, like, up there with Drill. No, it's not. Drill's the fucking best. But, um... Whatever, Fart tweets out the other day that, I'll just read the tweet. In like 2012, CNN had a store where you could buy shirts featuring any current news headline, and I wore this around (laughs) San Jose for like three years. And the shirt says, bleeding greasy man stuck in vent. Um, And I didn't know this existed, but I have since found out that it did, obviously because of this thing. And first off, I would like, so... um, I've since I, I'm sharing right now like the actual mechanism where for a whole bunch of headlines on CNN.com for a while there was like a little T-shirt icon, and so you could buy for instance like principal sets up drug sting on student, uh, yet weird fish leave sea spawn on beach. DUI Gizmo might have been wrong two years. But for some reason, like looking for love, watch your wallet, not available. Like they were like going a little bit selective on these things, but they were printed on American. Hybrids are the new hot rods. Didn't get a T. Uh... <laughs> they were very ahead of their time here because I could, this is just, this is a Teespring thing. This is a printing on demand. Yeah. Of. I mean, very. Uh... <laughs> Very savvy to not let you put twenty migrants drown off Bahamas on a tee. That was good. <laughs> that was smart. Now, who do you think the editor was that was uh, checking that box uh, on the on the back end of the CNN website? Like, and by the way, like, how wild would that be for like just like you get you get like uh, you either put in your two weeks or they're firing you and you're on your way out the door. You just hit select all. Just like go have fucking fun. These things have zero human interaction. You hit buy, they make it. It would have been a fun job. There's def like at some point when they had this function, there had to be a t-shirt editor. Like that, that was a job. Like someone who was like, my job is to hit the hit the little check mark to figure out if this is appropriate for a t-shirt for you to wear. That person was. That person was twenty three years old, and it was their first job. Okay, so, so I've been thinking about this a lot. Like I've been like trying to find a bunch. Like I've, I always will have like some sort of like pet cause I'm searching for on various vintage or secondhand sites, and it's like uh, I've been trying to find one of these just like around. They're a little bit harder for me to locate than I'd like, um, but I found some good ones. Just like examples of, um, 
but there's like I guess two ways we could take this now within the show and tell. Like the first way is is just like tech that was created or like like a by these like media companies or whatever that they weren't quite prepared for. Cause like, I don't know if you also saw that Facebook messenger does AI. They dropped AI stickers this week, but they did not have any filters on it. So people were like the one that I saw was SpongeBob crashing a plane into the twin towers. I think (laughs) I saw that one too. Or some shit like, or no, that was the Microsoft AI, the Facebook stickers, the Facebook stickers are just like, they're insane. Also, but like these companies are just sort of rolling them out without thinking through the long list of like shit they might not want to be attached to. It's not like people shouldn't make it. It's like fucking, I guess like you can do anything on mid journey, but like, so like, is like, is that more interesting or is it just like, because I do have an entire list of 2022 CNN's top hundred headlines that theoretically could have been put on a t-shirt if this still existed. Um, so I do not know which direction on this choose your own adventure. Um, they're all Russia. Mm. The top hundred. I think it's more about the AI, but yeah, this for whatever it's worth, this exists here, um, or existed at one point. And I do think that if this existed at a time when Twitter was like a little bit more popping, then there would be like thousands of these still out there for us to find and rummage through. Uh, I'm looking at the CNN like homepage right now and seeing a bunch of potential t-shirts that I, I just am itching to buy when CNN turns this back on. We've got sushi terrorism pranks prompt chain to turn to cartoon conveyor belt. What about shirtless man with gun who was asked to see who asked to see governor was arrested at Wisconsin Capitol. <laughs> and on the back you could say he returned with assault rifle after posting bail. What are you saying by wearing this T-shirt? I don't know. What if you just got the five the, the five theories why tra- Taylor Swift might be dating Travis Kelsey on a shirt? Mm-hmm. That's that's what the you put on the shirt. <laughs> no link, no hyperlink. It just says just says that. Why? <laughs> Does I hope this this episode comes out while that relationship is still alive? <laughs> yeah. If not, it'll be a nice but little. I, I, it'll be like a nice little timestamp. Do you think anyone earnestly bought these? Is there some like Indiana grandma weighing a uh, wearing a shirt that says the Girl Scouts are discontinuing a cult favorite cookie, or something like that? Or were these just all bought by weird internet people that like us that thought it was funny? I think it's like it was entirely bought by weird internet people who thought it was funny or like as a gag gift for someone who's like maybe a Jamie Lee Curtis fan. So someone bought like the Pamela Anderson's makeup free look draws praise from Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh-huh. <laughs> Do we know how much these cost when they, they came? I can't imagine more than about 20 bucks. So in the, in the article, it doesn't have like the checkout box that I saw. Um, Oh, yo, CNN t-shirts actually exists on Flickr. Hold on. Hold on, you guys. (laughs) All right, send us a link to everything you're finding. No, it's here. It's here. They they have 18 photos. (laughs) Well, off the bat, they're looking like weird internet people. Yeah, mustache pulls batter out of slump. Nah. 
These people just didn't they didn't see the promise. No, they're not they're not geniuses like us. How menopause affects the brain. Anderson Cooper, you're not my boo. That one's fine. Yeah, everyone just bought the air guitarist one. So yeah, that was I these are not that funny. Nah, that was a goose chase. Apologies, folks. This is a big old fucking Al Capone safe situation. Uh, turns out that there was just one bad T-shirt in there, but I do think weird internet people bought them. But I think there's there they just. I think there was also like the age of the internet, like maybe they weren't seeing the possibilities. What's the what's what era was this again? It launched in '08. I think it like capped probably like a few years later, but like definitely before like cannibal was a common funeral ritual in Europe. Fifteen thousand years ago, study finds was a headline. Because that would be a fun t-shirt. <laughs> live, update, live update, Senator Dianne Feinstein's funeral service. You get that one just put on there. <laughs> live update, you just ask me what <laughs> yeah, happened. I'll tell you. Nice one. Yeah, turn it back on, CNN. You'll make dozens of dollars. At least seven. At least seven dollars. Well, we've already done almost an hour today. Hell yeah, we did. Yeah, we can cut it off then. We've been shown, and we've been told. And everything you've heard here oh. is one hundred percent tasteful and accurate, as always. Bye bye. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>